We've been in a bit of a mini-series, Come to the Table. Next week, uh, we're going to be starting a series on vision, and we're calling it Heart for the House. And that's going to start next Sunday and lead us into the fall season. We're going to be picking up Heart for the House also into the new year uh, with some uh, messages focused on uh, vision for First Assembly. Uh, You know, God has given each one of us a, a heart for his house as we have followed him and following Christ and, and his desires that we would cultivate a heart for the house of God, that we would not just enjoy attending church on Sunday, although it's great to attend and gather together, but to step into our, our giftings and our callings. And we, belong at, we believe at First Assembly that, that there's a place for you to belong, there's a place for you to believe and grow in Christ and a place for you to get involved and to serve. So we're going to be starting that series next week. But this morning, we're going to be Uh, looking at come to the table again. And I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of the table of repentance. Uh, The last couple of Sundays, we've looked at the table of of relationship and grace and how last Sunday we looked at how David had invited Mephibosheth, who was lame in both of his feet, to his table, the king's table. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel of how, how God invites us to be in relationship with him it's a beautiful picture of grace and the good news of Jesus that we've all fallen and we've been broken and that God brings us into his presence to, to be healed. And this morning, the table of repentance, as I was preparing, I feel like the Lord highlighted uh, another table uh, when we repent, when we walk in a place, a heart of repentance. It leads us to a table of, of feasting. I'm going to show you that in a moment. But as we respond then to the table of grace that God has invited us to, there is a table of relationship. So Luke chapter 5 uh, is where we're going to start the, uh, the scripture reading this morning. And this is the encounter of Jesus meeting the tax collector. Uh, his name was Levi, and he later became Matthew, one of Jesus' followers. And so here it is in chapter 5, verse 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and he left everything and followed him. Let me stop right there. A major part of being a Christ follower is that we follow and that we leave things behind. And when God really gets a hold of our heart, it changes us. It changes us in a radical way. And so we see this here in Levi as he follows Christ. And then it says in verse 29, later Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Here's the table that shows up, a banquet table. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Matthew chapter 3, the scene is John the Baptist. He's baptizing people in the message of repentance, preparing the way of the Lord John the Baptist. Uh, preach repentance, and as people were coming to be baptized, Matthew 3, verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, 
It's a nice nickname. You brood of vipers. <laughs> Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And then he says this. I want you to see this in verse 8. Produce fruit, he said, in keeping with repentance. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. We gather together this morning uh, around your word and with God's people and in your presence because we are so aware that we need you. So God, I pray that you would, in these moments, uh, illuminate the word of God to our hearts and our minds and our understandings. God, it would be more than head knowledge. You would transform us today. God, transform our hearts and transform our lives that we would bring you glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You know, everyone loves good news. Uh, Good news. Uh, Do you remember when uh, you got that good news, maybe over the past few weeks or sometime in your life, a friend phoned you up and said, hey, we're getting married. And you're so happy for them. It's exciting. Uh, Maybe somebody's having a baby. There's nothing better than the good news of announcing, uh, hey, we're having a a baby and this is exciting. And and so we're we're excited to share good news. Uh, We all love good news. What do we do with good news? We we, we, we talk about it. We uh, proclaim it. We get on our social media accounts and we start posting updates and statuses, uh, sharing the good news that we are either anticipating or experiencing or have experienced. And we show pictures and we show our family. We love good news and we love to, to share good news. And we prepare for good news. When, when we hear that there's a wedding coming or there's a party that we're invited to, we, we, we begin to prepare. We begin to make preparations and we respond uh, to that good news. You know, some of the best news that you and I have ever experienced, ever, is the good news of the gospel. We talked about that last Sunday. If you would have been here, we talked about the, the beautiful gospel of Jesus and how by grace we've been saved and he has saved us. Not that we can earn or, or work or earn any kind of favor with God. Um, he has saved us once and for all. He died for the sin of the world once and for all. There's, there's nothing that, that can take us away from, from his his mercy and his grace as we put our trust in him and as we've opened up our lives and received his grace. Ephesians says, as we looked about several weeks ago, that we were once objects of wrath, that we were dead, but we've been made alive uh, together in Christ Jesus. It's good news, and we should, we should share that good news. We should tell other people about that good news, and we do. But we also have a responsibility to respond to good news. There's there's something that happens when we, when we hear good news, when we experience good news, uh, that we respond then to good news. Uh, there's a bit of a, a problem that I, I see in some circles in the church today, and there's a, a theology that, that talks about the fact that God's been so gracious to us and that because he's given us grace, you and I can just kind of live however we want to live, and it's all good with God. You know, we kind of have a bit of an arrangement with the Lord. It's like he understands my lifestyle. He understands my choices. He understands my sin. It's kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's all good. It's going to be good. My grace covers you. And you say, well, God loves me, even though I'm a sinner, even though I'm, uh, you know, I was far from God. Doesn't the Bible say that he loves me? And friend, he loves you. There's no doubt. But there's a difference between understanding and experiencing the fact that God loves you and then actually staying in relationship. And we see this in scripture where John the Baptist calls 
these Pharisees, these religious leaders, and he's saying, guys, you guys are a bunch of vipers. You guys are, are you're out to lunch. You, you, you think of yourselves way more highly than you are. You think you're untouchable. I want to call you out on something. I want to call you out on keeping with repentance. If, if you truly are a follower of God, then your life should show there should be fruit, the fruit of repentance in keeping with repentance. And so we are so thankful for God's grace. And uh, this has everything to do with grace. Repentance has everything to do with grace. It's our response to God's grace in our lives. And what is repentance? Let's look at that just for a moment this morning. When we hear the word repentance, often we think of that, uh, that red-faced uh, guy downtown Calgary with a big billboard and a sign saying, repent, and screaming at people and yelling at people on the corners. Uh, maybe some anger comes to mind when we think about the word repent, or maybe perhaps there would be someone here today, you grew up in a very legalistic kind of Christian upbringing, and when you hear the word repent, it just reminds you of how you know, bad you are and how much work you've got to do in your life just to kind of be a good Christian and, and try to sort things out. And, and so we have all kinds of, of pictures in our minds uh, about repentance. So let's look at what the Bible says about repentance, and, and in particular Jesus, and let's, let's see what repentance, as we keep in the fruit of repentance, as we respond to grace, let's see where that, that leads us. Uh, today. In the Bible, repentance means to, to turn. Uh, it, it also means to think again or think differently. So if you're thinking uh, one way in particular, repentance is about thinking differently. You're going one direction, you change directions. In Romans, uh, it talks about how we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives as we are followers of Christ is that he leads us in a process called sanctification. It's just a big word that simply means the process of becoming more like Jesus all the time. We just keep growing in the process of sanctification. And so turning or changing, thinking differently. The great preacher of the past, Charles, Charles Spurgeon, uh, he, he said this about repentance. He says, it's a discovery of the evil of sin. It's a mourning that we have committed it. It's a resolution to forsake it. It is, in fact, a change of mind of a very deep and practical character, which makes the man love what once he hated and hate what once he had loved. Repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind. I used to think this. Now I'm thinking something different because of the grace of God that I've experienced. Good news makes us respond. Good news impacts our lives. It impacts not just our eternity, but our everyday lives. Here's what Jesus said. The setting is when he meets Levi, this tax collector. The tax collectors in the day would collect taxes in a region, and they were notorious for uh, collecting taxes from the people in that region. The government would give them a certain amount to raise and as long as they raised that amount, they would often gouge the people. So they would overcharge uh, for taxes. Now taxes uh, and tax keepers and tax collectors, I should say, uh, were not very popular people in the Bible days. Um, I'm not sure they're very popular people today, uh, as we've just come through you know, a few months ago, uh, our own income tax. 
But Jesus encounters Levi, and as he encounters Levi, something happens in his heart where he encounters grace, he encounters Jesus, and something changes. He responds then to the grace that he's encountered. And on the other side of his heart change, his mind change, his his directional change in his life, he literally left everything and began to follow Jesus, Matthew, as one of his disciples. And as we see this radical change, the next thing that happens is Levi invites Jesus to a table at his house, a party, food, feasting. And it's a beautiful picture of the table that God invites us to is his table. It's a table of grace, but the table that Levi invited Jesus to was saying, because of your grace, I want to stay in relationship with you. And there were these Pharisees that were there, and they were complaining to the disciples of Jesus, pulling them aside and saying, what's going on here? Why is Jesus going to this house full of crooks and criminals, tax collectors, and worse? What's going on? And Jesus kind of obviously heard that or overheard it or knew what was going on. He stood up and he took these Pharisees head on. He says, hey, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous. He said, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus used this word, repent. So he's calling them. He's calling them on their stuff. He's saying, you guys think you have it all together. You're, you're good. You have an arrangement with God. It's all good. I can kind of do what I want, live how I want. And we know that Jesus was constantly uh, facing these religious leaders in their corruption and challenging them. And he uses this word, repent. He was basically saying, guys, here's the deal. You don't even realize how broken and how lost you are in your own self-righteousness. You don't even realize it. So my question for you this morning and for me, for us to consider is, do we recognize our own need for God? Because I really believe that's where repentance starts. As we respond to God's grace, he saved us. We're thankful that God has saved us. But grace has everything to do with us being empowered to respond to that beautiful message that he's given us, that we would be people that respond to God and that we would be people that would welcome relationship with God. But it starts with us saying, Lord, I need you in my life. And as Levi invited Jesus to his house, there was no doubt a table and food and friendship. We see a beautiful table on the other side of, of repentance. Jesus encounters another tax collector. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter 19, and... Um, this guy's name is Zacchaeus. And some of you, if you've been in church a while, you know the story of Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. <clears throat> but there's more to Zacchaeus than a wee little man. He was also uh, a tax collector. Very similar kind of thing going on. A crooked man, wealthy, but, but a crook, a criminal. And he hears that Jesus is coming to town, to Jericho. It's a big buzz, and the whole town's excited. There's media, there's cameras, there's people. Jesus is coming to Jericho, and he hears about this, and he's curious, and he wants to see Jesus for himself, but because he's short, uh, you know the story, uh, he climbs up a tree, a sycamore tree. And as he climbs up the tree, uh, he gets this, this vantage point 
As Jesus walks by, passes by beside the road, uh, verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus. He called him by name. He, he knew who he was. Jesus was anticipating him. And he said, quick, come down. And Jesus said, essentially, I'm coming to your house. Essentially, he's saying, I want to be in relationship with you. He, he, he was saying, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Uh, Jesus was, was inviting himself over. He's saying, Zacchaeus, I see, I see your heart. I see you don't want to live the way you used to live. Uh, Jesus could see something, I believe, in, in the heart of Zacchaeus that, that he said, I want to be with you. I want to be in relationship with you. And I'm coming to your house and, and, and get a table ready because relationship awaits the other side of repentance. And Jesus could see that there was repentance in his heart. And we know that this is true because it says Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. These religious people show up again. He's gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, a famous sinner, a a, a gambler. They grumbled. Rather, it doesn't say gambler in my Bible. I just kind of threw that in there. Uh, he might have been. You never know. Going to Vegas with Zacchaeus. Anyway, okay. Verse 8, just to clarify in case you're like, That's, what kind of translation is that pastor reading? <clears throat> verse 8, meanwhile Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give, look at this, verse 8, this is repentance right here. He said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. That's repentance. How many are praying for that to happen with Revenue Canada right now? <laughs> Let's keep reading. Jesus responded, you see, because it was a heart of repentance. Salvation has come to this home today. Salvation. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. In other words, this guy's legit. This guy's repentant. This guy is responding to grace. And Jesus said, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost, those who know they're lost. And if you know you're lost, there's a beautiful table of relationship that God calls you to. We have limitations like Zacchaeus. He, he physically had a hard time seeing Jesus, but some of us were limited seeing our need for Christ because of our own self-righteousness at times or other things that crowd out our lives. What might be limiting you from seeing your need, your deep need for Jesus? You've been saved by his grace, but he calls you to be in daily relationship with him. He he calls you to say, I want to be with you at your table. I want, to, I, want, I want not just for you to be at my table, but I want to walk with you and I want to find relationship. And there's celebration and there's joy at the other side of repentance. We see this as a theme in Scripture. And Zacchaeus, he, he couldn't see beyond himself, but God provided a way for him. It's interesting to think about that tree that he climbed up. Likely that tree would have been a, a large enough tree uh, that he could climb. Therefore, likely it was a tree that was even older than he was. The tree, the seedling, was planted perhaps years or decades before Zacchaeus even came to the road that day. 
And God in his sovereignty knew that that tree would be there for Zacchaeus to climb up on that day to see him. The creator of the universe would have sovereignly prepared a tree before Zacchaeus was even born. God has prepared a way for you and me. He's already gone before you and me to prepare a way. 1 Peter 1.20 says that he was chosen, look at this, before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in the last times for your, your sake, that Jesus was chosen. Salvation was chosen for you, and then it was revealed. Here's kind of the main thought this morning. Repentance is really about relationship, or rather repentance really leads us to a table, a continual table of walking with God in relationship. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And as they were there, they were celebrating new life. They were celebrating the grace that he was receiving. We also see this in the parable that Jesus told of the lost son, the the prodigal son, where there was a father with two sons and the older son stayed home, but the younger son said, I'm going to take all the inheritance and I'm going to go squander your inheritance. And he went off and lived in wild living and he went off in a a road of rebellion. And as he was in rebellion, it says that at one point he had spent all his money and he had been working at a pig farm and the pig food even looked better than what he could provide for himself. And he thought about his father's house and he thought about the servants and how they ate better and were dressed better. And, and it says in the scriptures that he came to his senses And to me, that's the point of repentance when we begin to think differently. I'm no longer going this way or thinking that way. I'm thinking now God's way, and I'm going to the Father's house. We see this in Levi. We see this in Zacchaeus. We see this in the lost son, the parable that Jesus told. And this son, as he came to his senses, he began to think about, my goodness, I need to go home repentance began to take place in his heart and it moved him back into a place of relationship with the Father because even as he came down that road, even as he came full of, I'm sure, guilt and shame, thinking about the choices that he had made, the Father always loved him even though he was far off. The Father had always provided for him even though he was far off. The, The Father still longed for him to come to know him and to be in relationship in his house, but he had chosen to go away. But as he came back down that road, not only did the Father meet him in the middle of the road, it says that the Father ran to him, embraced him, kissed him, put on a ring, put on a robe, and check this out. The father said, it's time to prepare a feast. There's a table on the other side of repentance. A beautiful table of celebration, of relationship and communion. The father loves you and me today no matter where we are. And Jesus has offered his grace For every person in this place, there's no decision or lifestyle or anything that would keep you or separate you from God's love. But friends, as we respond then to God's love and his grace, may we never just say, wink, wink, God, you understand my problems. I don't need to do anything or change anything. I can just keep on being a crook. 
I can keep on just living however I want because I'm okay. Friends, the trap is that's a heart of self-righteousness. And when you don't think you need a doctor, then you think you're okay. But Jesus said, I didn't come for people that think that they're okay. I came for people that know that they need me. And from that vantage point, you see clearly, from that vantage point, that's when repentance takes place in your heart and in your life. So this morning, this is not a a message of screaming repent because of all the things that you need to get right in your life to be pleasing to God. You are already loved and you are already pleasing to him. But I do believe this morning that the heart of the Father is that you would be in a deeper walk with him, a deeper relationship with him. That you would walk with him and be with him and commune with him. Not only would you understand that you've been invited to his table, but that the fruit of keeping with repentance would lead you to a daily table of blessing and goodness and provision. Oh, he loves you at a distance where you are. No matter if you're a follower of Christ today or not, you're loved by God. He's provided a way for you, but he invites you personally, like Levi, like Zacchaeus, like the lost son, to repent, to come to a place of repentance so the table can be set for you and for me. You know, my father is an awesome guy. He's one of my heroes, my dad. And I remember um, a time that I was in college and I hadn't talked to him probably for several months. Um, This is back in the day of, uh, you know, before FaceTime and Skype. And so we had a pay phone and I had to pay for that pay phone when I was in college. So I used it very sparingly. And uh, I think we writ, writ, you know, wrote the odd letter to each other. Like, that's how long ago I went to college, by the way. It was like the Pony Express. I mean, you had to write letters with a pen and paper. Do you remember paper? <laughs> that's how long ago it was. But he came out to visit me, and I was low on cash. Uh, there was some challenges I was walking through personally. And I knew my dad loved me, and we still had relationship, but it wasn't, it was distant in the sense that I hadn't talked to him for the longest time, and, and we're sitting at a table together, white spot or wherever it was, and here's, here's the kind of person my dad is. Maybe your dad's like this too. He always pays. So the bill comes to the table, and my dad, he just grabs the check and says, I got it. He, he, he always pays. He always, that's his heart. And to me, it's such a beautiful picture of how the Father desires, we, we may be far off, there may be distance, there may be things going on, some challenges. We may be low in our bank account, literally or figuratively. We, we may have challenges or, or separation uh, something in our life, there's, there's something going on. Where we, and, and it's a beautiful picture of how the Father just desires just to sit down and say, in a place of repentance, think again, just be with me, I've got it. I'm picking up the bill. I desire relationship. And we want to keep our hearts in communion with the Father. I'm going to ask the musicians to come at this time. We want to keep our hearts in a place when God speaks to us, that we don't just say, yeah, God, I just take your grace for granted, but yeah, Lord, I, 
Thanks for saving me. God, I want to be at the table with you every day. I want to walk with you. I want to hear your voice in my life. When God convicts you of something, that you wouldn't just go, oh, well, grace will cover it. Friends, that's not the way God desires it to be. He desires that we would say, Lord, when you convict me, I want to I turn. I want to think again. I want to root my, my life in your word and in your presence. And I want to I stay at the table of repentance. I want to walk with you. Because grace works together with repentance. Let me read you this. I think we have it on the screens as well from Romans. It's real because we, we, we receive as grace, but there's things that we feel and behaviors and all these things. And Paul puts it so beautifully in Romans chapter 5 and just the beginning of 6. He says, well, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. That's where it starts. We need a doctor. We need Jesus. And that's why God's law was was given. It says, but as people sinned more and more, here's the good news. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Wow. So do you mean to tell me that the more there's sin in my life, the more grace is available for me? Yeah. This is why this is really good news. Thank you, God. It says that God's grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God as a result in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's beautiful. It's really, really good news. Uh, Another translation says, where sin abounds, grace abounds. Wow. Wow. You mean the more I mess up and make mistakes and God still loves me and his grace is still for me? Yeah. And I think that when we just begin to even grasp grace, because grace to me is not just a a theological concept. Grace is actually an ongoing revelation. It's an ongoing revelation of like, when I just think I get a hold of grace, like, wow, like the more I mess up and the more sinful I am, God, you, your grace is more a bountiful, you know, more bountiful for me in that moment, yeah. There's more grace provider for me the more I make mistakes and sin and fail and fall, yeah. And I think it's a, a good question to ask, well, if there's more sin and there's more grace, then maybe we should just keep sinning then so God can give us more grace. And Paul actually addresses this. He says, well, then, should we then keep on sinning? so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I think it's a great question when we're just beginning to get a revelation of grace. So beautiful. And here's what Paul says. Of course not. We don't just keep living how we want. He says, since we died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. The table of repentance is a celebration that you're now living a new life. 